A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Movie Crush, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movie Crush, Mini Crush Monday, uh, episode two with Mr. John Hodgman. Hello, Hello. John. Hi, it's me, John Hodgman, your <laughs> friend, Chuck, and your friend, listener, unless you're my enemy. Don't cross me. I know. You don't want to be on that list. Don't cross me because as we were talking about on our last Mini Crush, I'm taking advantage of this of this uh, stay-at-home lockdown to reevaluate all of my friendships. Thin in the herd. Yeah, no. Uh, everybody's my friend. Everybody's my friend. That is true. So, John, we have a few segments I'd like to get to, and we are on somewhat of a limited schedule. So I'm going to go ahead and dive in. So let's get the plugs in first. I host the <laughs> Judge John Hoffman podcast at MaximumFun.org. Every Wednesday, a new episode. We're closing out our great uh, epi- our great uh, podcast miniseries, I, Podius, about the famous 1976 BBC miniseries, I, Claudius. And check me out on Instagram.com slash John Hodgman if you want to see when I go live every weekday to interview people's cats and dogs on a little daytime talk show I call Get Your Pets. Chuck, what are you up to these days? Hosting this? Let's go. I need to get on Instagram so I can get on uh, Get Your Pets. You absolutely do. Get on it today. I'll be doing it f- I'll be doing it from 4 to 6 p.m. today, Eastern Time. I've been uh, resistant to get on Insta. I should do just do it. Just create an, just create an account and lurk. That's all. You, you, know, you okay. don't have to post stuff. Well, that's true. Uh, all right, John. So what I did was I have uh, put some posts up on the old Movie Crush page, and we'll get a little talk back going. And then you and I can just comment on what the lovely crushers have to say about uh, these three things. Okay. First thing up is a little question. What objectively good movie, generally speaking, regarded as a great movie, do you actually think is a bad movie? Oh. And everyone else is wrong. 
So you can think about that unless you've got one with a bullet. And I'll, I'll read through a few of these. Uh, old friend Don it's, it's Morris. Hard, it's hard for me, a person who hopes to come out of uh-huh. this quarantine and work in movies and television again to, to poop on a movie. Well, you don't have to. But I'm trying, there is some, there's something, it's right on the tip of my tongue. You read, read some more and then I'll, and right. I'll refine my thoughts on this. It's old friend Don Morris is uh, Forrest Gump, one of the most beloved movies of all time. And I've hated it since the minute I saw it in the theaters. So schlocky. I would I would say that that is a movie that I think cinematically in terms of uh, a filmmaking prowess likely holds up, but it took me a second to understand that what this movie is. Oh, I have the perfect one now uh, that what this that this movie is right wing propaganda. Like I didn't understand that at first. Yeah, but that, you know, that's been the, a uh, revisionist. Not necessarily a revisionist, but that has come out more in recent years. I feel like it was discussed at the time. Was it? At, or at least within, within, I remember reading about it at the time and going, oh, right. Like he, he is the pure of heart, Midwestern, not too smart person who like shows up all of the coastal elites and especially those dirty hippies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've not. I've not felt the need to rewatch that movie since. All right. Uh, let me read a few a contra- more of these. Controversial one for you. I got a controversial one for you, Chuck. Hang on to that. Put that in your pocket for a minute. Yeah. Because uh, Brian Buckley says, I know I'll take some hell for this, but Blade Runner, while visually stunning, is an absolute snore fest to me. So Brian's wrong. <laughs> well, I think he's wrong. I think he's wrong about that. But I mean, but he he has an opportunity to say that because yeah. Blade Runner is a movie that has never been finished. You know, there are so many different versions and different oh, director's cuts right. of it out there. There is room to maneuver. Like, I don't I don't think that there is a true vision of that movie that's that can be considered complete at this point. But uh, it's spectacular. I, I love and I don't hate the one with the voiceover narration. I liked them all. I didn't mind that. Shout out yeah. to uh, yeah. one of our listeners has a Blade Runner podcast called Shoulder of Orion. So shout out to them. I love that. It's great. <laughs> uh, Whole Blade Runner podcast. Could not watch Blade Runner 20. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, I thought it was great. You didn't like it? Gorgeous. But I mean, I think that, I mean, that that was a, a literal snore fest for me in that I can only start movies at about nine o'clock now mm-hmm. if I'm going to watch a serious movie. Now, now that my son is a little older, we can watch stuff together. But, yeah. You know, and I, it's this bad part of middle age where it's like, if I start a movie at nine 30, I'm asleep by 10, 15. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I, I feel, and particularly Blade Runner, which is so dreamlike to begin with yeah. or Blade Runner 2099 or whatever. It's like an it was. ASMR fest. Yeah. I was, I was, it took me, I think nine sittings to finally finish it. Oh, wow. And I still don't not, that's a little bit of exaggeration, but more than three to kind of work through it finally and see the end. And plus it had Jared Leto in it. And I don't mind saying, I don't mind burning that bridge. <laughs> you don't like that guy? I don't know. I don't like that uh, Jordan Catalano. He's been a bad kid since the beginning. <laughs> That's right. Bad kids. Uh, bad kids. Old pal R- uh, Austin R. Debsky says, baby driver. There were a lot of dumb decisions when it came to the writing. Uh, just because you were in a car accident as a child, it gave you super driving powers. Sorry, yeah. Chuck, because Austin knows I love this movie. I loved that movie a lot when I saw it. 
Uh, and uh, are we allowed to see it again? It's got Spacey in it. Yeah, you I can see know. it. Yeah. I loved John Hamm in that movie. I loved... That's, a, you know, we love heist movies. You and I both love heist movies. Yeah. And that's some great, that's some great boosting that those, that they were doing in that. And the driving sequences are amazing. John Hamm was great. A love, a love, a love letter to Subaru. So, you know, <laughs> a son of New England can't hate baby driver. Next. Uh, speaking of uh, Spacey, Samantha HL says, American Beauty, let me count the ways I hated this movie. It's gross portrayal of an older man lusting for a teenage girl. Uh, makes caricatures of all the female characters, completely self-obsessed with its own pompousness. I don't think that movie has aged well. No, I, I have zero. I remember it coming out and my wife being really into it. I was at the time. And, and I saw it and I thought it was good, but I have, I have zero interest in revisiting that one. It feels very much of a particular time. Yeah, totally. Um, and I trust everything that that person has to say yeah. about their their read of it. I agree. Uh, Dan Maynard, one of our old pals, says, Napoleon Dynamite. Maybe I just didn't get the humor, but God, that movie was awful. Uh, no, you just didn't get the humor. I didn't like Napoleon Dynamite. I'm not even sure if I saw it all the way through. Um, it's uh, I liked it. I liked their sensibility, you know, and I feel like um, that's a brother and sister team. Out of Utah or Northern, I have to look it up now. Oh, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, the, the the filmmakers? Yeah. Right. I thought it was just the uh, one guy. Was it a team? Jared Hess is the director, but I, I know his, uh, his wife, Jerusha Hess. Oh, okay. Uh, basically, you know, she's the co-writer and pro- probably co-director and, and costume designer. I interviewed her for the New York times magazine about how to dress Napoleon dynamite. And she's like, just get, you know, go to a thrift store and get moon boots. Right. <laughs> uh, I, you know, and I really enjoyed talk. I really enjoyed talking to her. Um, so maybe a little bit of that peering behind the scenes. Yeah. Affected my, my feelings towards it. But I mean, that dance sequence is cinema history and I, they had such a, they had such a striking new vibe and look. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, they went on to make Nacho Libre, which was very much in the same vein. And then Gentleman Broncos, which was their really weird 2009 movie that I auditioned for, but did not get the part, but didn't mind. Um, because, because it was such a, a beautifully weird movie and I loved it. I'm glad it existed. But after that, I don't know, I don't know what they've been up to lately. I haven't seen Gentleman Broncos yet. I've heard it's, um, it's some people say it's one of the worst movies ever made, but uh, comedian Arj Barker was going to be on Movie Crush, and he said that is his favorite movie. And he said, "Trust me, just watch it; it's great." Yeah, I mean, it's all it's it's all of the weirdest the weirdest stuff of Napoleon Dynamite distilled to its ultimate weirdness. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All the weird affectation and and quirkiness. It's it's almost pure quirk, and I can understand why people uh, DND do not dig. Do not dig. All right. Uh, yeah. This one is going to uh, get you going. Uh, Lisa M. Teixeira, one of our old friends and top fans, says, Iron Man, it's so boring. I don't care that it sets up the other movies. You can easily watch them without this context. I've never been an Iron Man fan. I'm Team Cap all the way. Okay. Always have been. Uh, liked and appreciated Iron Man, but always, and I love Robert Downey Jr. and his performance is spectacular, but it is, to me, that was always a setting up 
setting up the world. Yeah, agreed. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This one speaks to me. Uh, Alfie Brady, I'm kind of with you here, says Inception is just not good. Having a complex narrative does not necessarily make a good film. I did not love Inception. I just thought it was okay. I'm a Christopher Nolan fan. I am too. Uh, but I am not. And this is this is a bridge that I I hate to burn. <laughs> Don't burn it. Don't do it. Blow that match out. Sorry, I won't burn it. <laughs> Ian, offline, you can tell me. 
because I'm sure Christopher anyway, Nolan is listening right now. Anyway, uh, no, no, I'm I, I'm not going to burn a bridge with Christopher Nolan. There's no burn. To, there's no bridge to burn. I love, I love his work. I love his ambition. Um, uh, I I found that to just be a a, a mind f. Yeah, you can say that I did not that I was not into. Okay, you can say and, mind and, friend on the show. It was a mind friender, <laughs> and it, and it felt like a pure mind friender. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. Whereas you get like a looper going, that's a mind friender that. I liked Looper. That had a human heart, I felt like. Uh, but I will say about this, uh, The Prestige Great. is a, I think, terribly overlooked movie. Yeah, I love that movie. Incredible movie. Christopher Nolan. Did you see uh, 1917? I have not seen it yet. Oh, wait, that wasn't I, Nolan. I don't even know why no. I said that. I think that's Sam Mendes. I think yeah. that's the director of um, American Beauty. American Beauty. Oh. No, I've not seen Interstellar. There, I haven't. I haven't kept up with Nolan in part because of um, Inception. In right. part because I feel like uh, you're 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 going to twisty, you know, fold up city places that I'm not interested in particularly following. Yeah. Show me more turn of the century, turn of the twentieth century magicians, please. Show me more. Uh, 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 show me more contraptions crushing doves. Yeah. Spoiler. <laughs> Yeah, my problem with Nolan and a couple of his movies, Inception and then uh, what was the space one? Uh, Interstellar. I feel he does yeah. way too much just blatant explanation of what's going on. There's always a character that's like, all right, here's what's happening, everyone. Yeah. And that annoys I like, me. I think, you know, like I think, think th I like thinky movies, but not self-important thinky movies. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of Looper, Knives Out is one of my favorite movies of last year. Hell yes. Or maybe this year, right? I don't know. Time is meaningless at this point. Last you know, year. We're all, living, we're all living within dreams within dreams. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that is a contraption movie. Yeah. But at its heart is this relationship between the detective and the young woman. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the reveal at the end, which I won't spoil of what he knew when he knew it mm -hmm. and what that means for their relationship. Yeah. That's, that gives me goosebumps right now. Cause it's like, okay, this is caricature. This is big. This is thinky. This is puzzle boxy, but there's also just this human element to it that I, that I really appreciated. Yeah. I loved so. it. Uh, this one breaks my heart. Elizabeth Connolly Sheeler says sideways. My husband and I were forced to watch. Uh, I'm sorry. We forced ourselves to watch the whole thing, hoping it would be better. Never did. What a waste of an evening. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies. So, Paul Giamatti, you can't go wrong with Paul Giamatti. It's a great, great movie. Alexander Payne and, is in the hundred percent club for me. And and Thomas Hayden Church, what a great, what that great actor that only pops up every now and then. Fantastic. Uh, let's uh, do a couple. Of, I spent a, I spent a, I spent a few days in Omaha with. Uh, oh really? Alexander Payne. Yeah, profiled him for the New York Times Magazine. Look it up. It's on. It's on the web. It is. Yeah, <laughs> they did fun guy. They didn't pull it from great the web. Guy. They didn't, they didn't strike it from the web. No, they're like, uh, we need this digital paper for, to print other stuff. Erase this. Uh, okay, here we go. This will uh, we'll, uh, get a discussion going. Uh, Desiree Healed says, Avengers Endgame. It's been a year and I'm still mad about the lazy storytelling and how the writers and directors used it to have a bit of a wank. Look how clever we are. Uh, well, I... 
I, I don't understand how it can be lazy storytelling, but also incredibly clever storytelling. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like they worked. I feel like you see the, if anything, you see the labor of the storytelling on screen. Not, none of it, you know, the, I mean, talk, talk about set, you know, you're setting up a whole world and, you know, a decade's worth of different narratives that you have to sew up together. Mm -hmm. Never mind to finish just like to a satisfying ending to infinity war. You know, you're, you're wrapping up the, the whole, this whole universe in a way. And I think they did an, I mean, is, are, are these per perfectly, you know, like the Raiders of the Lost Ark screenplay is a perfect machine. Yeah. There is, there is nothing, you know, Lawrence Kasdan created a, a perfectly satisfying, emotional, semi-literal roller coaster that has real human beings in it. Yeah. Um, and not a loose, not a loose thread. It's not just the speed and the amount of action sequences, but, but everything connects so satisfyingly in that movie and has such a perfect, satisfying ending. And are any of the Marvel movies exactly that? N no. I mean, the, they, they, to a certain degree can't be because, mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of cooks in those kitchens. Yeah. And I think what the Marvel studios really, and, and by cooks, I mean, writers, producers, cast needs, multi massive ensemble cast of people that are hard to schedule. Like, you know, given all of the moving parts, I think, I think they stuck the landing in such a satisfying way, but I will say infinity war is kind of of those two by, I like the setup more than the resolution a little bit. Yeah. You know? I, th like I think so. Can... I'm with you there, but you know, but to some degree, the, these, the Marvel cinematic universe movies are not movies in the same sense that we talk about any other movie. Like yeah. they are, they're their own flavor of thing, yeah. you know, and, um, I don't know. It's not. A, I would not say it was a bit of a wank. Yeah, it was a. It was a huge of a wank. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll do one more here, and then I want to get your answer. Uh, Michael Williams says, "I watched The Shining for the first time last year and was get out of town. Very underwhelmed. I kept wanting Shelley Long's character to get the axe. Get out of town. Who's what's this person's name? This is uh, Michael Williams, and he had a couple of people thumb that up. He's got." This is this is Stephen King writing to you under a pseudonym. And oh wait, he said Shelley Long too, so I didn't even catch that. That's all you need to know. Right. This he doesn't know. Shelley Duvall <laughs> is the name of the actor. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um Stephen yeah. King, of course, notoriously hates the Shining movie. Yeah, but what does he know about movies? Went back went back, got his money together, and remade it. Yeah. In the nineties as a two part television miniseries. It was not very good. Um I love Stephen King so much. I love that he did that. Yeah. You know, cause he's not, you know, authors, authors have a certain view of the worlds that they create yeah. and watching something be adapted away can be very chat can be very challenging. And Stephen King knows what he's talking about. He knew the story that he wanted to tell and he got his money together and he told it, you know, I kind of admire, you know, Stephen King getting in there and trying to remake one of the most, uh, you know, Important movies by one of the most important directors of all time, featuring two iconic performances by Shelley Duvall and Jack Nicholson and replacing them with Rebecca De Mornay and Stephen Weber from Wings. And Stephen Weber, <laughs> I've met him. He's a great guy, great actor. I mean, respect for stepping into the Jack Nicholson role. Yeah. I have no problem with that. But The Shining is, 
It's sui generis. You know, that's Latin for get the fuck out of here. Complaining about the shining. Come on. It's just what it is. Yeah, I agree. It's some, it's something that we have to cinematically reckon with for the rest of our lives for a purpose. Agreed. So do you have a, uh, a movie you landed on one, I think, right? Yeah, there is, there is a movie and I don't, you know, I'm speaking to you from Brooklyn trans transmitting to you there in Atlanta, Georgia. So one way or another, this is going to strike a chord with you, but gone with the wind. Someone listed that. So I have had a long relationship with gone with the wind because my wife grew up in Atlanta mm-hmm. and this was her favorite movie as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And we went to go see it at the Coolidge corner movie theater. She moved to Brookline, Massachusetts, and we met in high school. And, um, after we started dating, we came back. It doesn't matter. We went to go see it at the Coolidge Corner Theater in Brookline, and I had never seen it. Classic movie, obviously. And it's also famous for being super duper long and having an intermission. Yeah. Which is great. No quarrel, no quarrel there. But coming out of the movie, she's like, wasn't that amazing? I was like, that is propaganda for the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> like, that is, that, is a mo- that is literally a movie in which the Ku Klux Klan is founded and celebrated as heroes. Like, that's not going to play in Brookline, Massachusetts, Atlanta. Yeah. And she was like, oh, yeah, I never thought of it that way. It's like, yeah, it's really a bit problematic to watch a movie from to, that, that romanticizes the Confederate point of view. And I knew that as a teenager. But then I, I sweetened on it because there is no question. It is fantastic filmmaking, incredible acting, movie making of a kind that we have we have probably never will see again. Yeah. They burned down the studio to film the Atlanta in flames. Yeah. Like they had one shot and they took it. Storytelling is, I mean, setting aside the abject racism of that movie. Uh-huh. Storytelling and characterization is is pitch perfect and it is not just as a as a perfect machine of writing. It is gorgeously directed costume. I mean, it's just, it's an act. It's an incredible film. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I allowed myself to be lured into it as we would watch it every two or three years over the years. Yeah. And kind of stop seeing the stuff that had initially made me so upset. Yeah. Until, until we rewatched it just a few days ago, quarantine times. Oh, really? Cause my, my son and I had been rewatching our son and I had been rewatching Firefly. Oh man. And, and there's an episode of Firefly that's that's set in this sort of like quasi super futuristic Confederate ball. Yeah, and yeah. it reminded me of the scene from Gone with the Wind. And what are we going to do? We've got hours and hours and hours to sit around. Yeah. So we put it on. And this time, both my and my wife's mouths dropped at how we our feelings about this movie had changed since the last time we saw it, which was maybe only three years ago. Yeah. I mean, just that's the characterization of... The movie itself is not unself-critical. It is an open romanticization of white Confederate South and tra- and treason and racism. Yeah. But it but it, there are times when it undercuts that message too. But mostly it is just what it is, like this horrible caricatures, lasting caricatures yeah. that formed white moving-going audiences' view of what slavery and black people are for generations. And I don't know that I can ever look at it again now. Like 
I'm embarrassed that I allowed myself to get lulled in by the movie making over the past 20 years and didn't stick with my initial reaction was like, this, right. this is a piece of art and history, but it, it needs brackets. It's like, it's like a Confederate statue. It needs to be torn down. Right. And put, and put in a museum, you know? Well, next time you come to Atlanta, we will drink yeah. some martinis in my sunroom. We will call a lift and we will go throw eggs at the Margaret Mitchell house. I don't want to cause any any houses any damage. Well, we can just go flip at a bird then. But it's just you know I don't want to you know like I don't know what it I don't know what it was. The you know I got clued into it whatever twenty five thirty years ago yeah yeah and then I just let it let the movie making work its sick magic on me <laughs> and then finally the the my eyes were opened again. It's interesting that uh, your wife flipped on it too though. Yeah, well, I mean, she understood. She, you know, she wasn't like, "How dare you, sir, yeah. critique <laughs> our, our, our our most precious cause?" <laughs> you know, she's super smart, and she and she, you know, was living in Brookline, Massachusetts too. And she's like, "Yeah, that's true. I get it. I get it." But I guess I just like the the story and the characters, and I just have a romantic, you know, not a I have a childhood connection yeah. to it. And uh, and then this time she we were just we looked over and it's like we, our eyes caught and we were like can you believe what we're watching like let's turn this off. She said I feel faint. Oh, oh I have the vapors, sir. I knew you were going to say the vapors. Well, had to be done. Had to be done. All right, we're going to finish up with a uh, segment, Mister Hodgman, about um, and I don't know if we did this or not when you were on the other time. But it's a game uh, called Haiku Theater, wherein the movie crushers write haikus describing a film in some way, and uh, the guest has to guess the movie. Sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's not. It is okay. It is called Haiku Theater, and we'll get it going here with. Uh, let me see here. Uh, see, I told them to put the name of the movie. <laughs> and then some of them didn't. But uh, we're going to start with our old so, friend. Well, so ahead. we listen to the haiku and, and try to guess what movie it's describing. Yeah, I, I know the answers, but you try and guess. All right. And and revel in the uh, creativity of the crushers and their haikus. Yeah, I'll revel. So uh, from one of the old pals, a big fish fan, Ethan Yavin says this. He won't work for tunes because one killed his brother. Weasels die laughing. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Very nice. Please remember that that movie is called Who Framed Roger Rabbit, not Who Framed Roger Rabbit, because it does not have a question mark on the end. He put a question because, mark. Well, in if you look... Does it not have one? It does not. And if my memory serves, it's because the studio marketing department thought that that would not sell as well to have a question Jesus, mark in the title. Those people. Uh, you want to hear something shocking? I've never seen that movie. Oh, wow. Talk about holes. I know. That's a big, gaping, dirty, dirty hole. Uh, it's good. All right. Uh, we're going to go on to... Uh, let me see here. Um, all right. I don't know. If, you'll probably not know this one. Uh, one of our top fans, Christopher Steiner, says this. Annoying Pesci, diplomat immunity, dislocate mm. shoulder. Oh, you might get that actually. Hmm. 
Oh, it's um one of those movies I never saw. Yes. It's a lethal weapon. <laughs> Correct. Lethal Weapon 2. Lethal Weapon 2 has Pesci in it. Yeah, it was good. Lethal Weapon 2 was pretty good. I've never seen a single lethal weapon. None? No, not a one. Not a one, not a two, not a three, not a four. <laughs> Are there four? I think there are four. Yeah, and now that we know Mel uh, Gibson is a garbage human. Uh, I suppose that's true. <laughs> it's probably not so hard to avoid. Although although I am of the... I am a huge Mad Max Fury Road fan, as all right-thinking people should be. Yeah. And they made the right call. Tom Hardy was great in it. Excellent. I wish that, I wish that Mel Gibson was not a garbage human. Because it would have been great to see him at yeah. that at his age in that role. Yeah, I agree. And and round it out. That would have been incredible. That would have been cool. But uh, the call was made and it was the correct call. Uh, old friend David Mills has this for us. Stuck in detention, five teens start to figure Breakfast out club. who they really are. What else could it be? It's Inception. I'm... Inception. Inception. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's not. It's Breakfast Club. Okay, good job. Christy Richardson has this one. Could I be the one jumping across tall buildings? It's all just code, man. The the Matrix, another one that we just watched. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you that that movie holds up very well? I think. Oh, it's a perfect it's a perfect machine of a movie. Yeah, I, and, I totally agree. Uh oh, it's just uh, just perfect. Not a not a not a thing out of place. Yep. That moment at the end when he's in the hallway and he breathes in and the walls flex with him. Yeah. It's just like that gets me. I got chills right now. Every single time I see that, that, that last bit is just amazing. Yeah. And I'm obviously some of the effects and some of the stuff is a little bit dated, but only because it's been copied so much. Yeah. It still looks cool. But you know, I remember not, not having seen some of the Asian action films that the wire work was cribbed from yeah. uh, seeing Trinity run up the wall. Oh yeah. And that opening sequence, I was like, Oh, Mind my life's changed forever. Yeah. 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 Same here. And bullet time. Like it was the coolest thing ever. The first time I saw it, it was the coolest thing ever, but it holds up. Uh, okay. Here we go. Um, Josh Brennan says this baby steps are key. Family vacation destroyed. Dreyfus eats a fish. Look who's talking. No. <laughs> it's just because the word baby was in there. <laughs> no, it's what about Bob? Yes. What about Bob? What, Very good. What about Bob? Fun, fun old movie. Let me see if that one has a question mark in the title. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On the, on the, so who framed Roger Rabbit is listed in Wikipedia with a question mark. Wrong. But on the, on the theatrical release poster, it does not have a question mark. And I remember this being a thing. But by the time we got to Richard Dreyfus, Bill Murray, and what about Bob? Question marks were allowed in titles of movies. Aaron Snell says this, John. This is a good one. Great movie. We can't take that hill, but the generals need stars. Sacrifice three men. This is a, a war movie or a Western movie? It's a war movie. And, and therefore, uh, I'm not John Roderick. Not the co-host of Friendly Fire. <laughs> a little out of my, a little out of my uh, wheelhouse. Wheelhouse. So, if you can tell me which war it is, I can tell you which movie it is. World War One. 
Nope, I made a mistake. <laughs> Legendary director, black and white. Uh, is it the Kubrick World War One movie? Yes, Paths of Glory. Paths of Glory with Kirk Douglas. Yes. Having recently passed away. I just saw that movie uh, as part of the filmmaker series last year, and it blew me away. I've never seen it. Oh, man. I, I've so never great. been into war movies. And I'm not, it's, it's not that I dislike them. It just takes me a little bit, an extra push to go and, and see them and put them in. Yeah. Put them in the machine to go. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes... I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, 
All right, here's one from uh, one of our old friends, Alex Glasnovich, and he says to read it in a southern accent. Oh, my my word. <laughs> 14 years lock up. Locked up. Now you will learn about loss. Ready, counselor? Yes, this is... Um... Inception. <laughs> <laughs> It is the Martin Scorsese remake. Yes. Uh, starring Nick Nolte and Robert De Niro. Hang on. Pain River. <laughs> what? Wait a minute. Let me get. I can't remember the name of the movie. Yeah, Pain River. Pain River. Uh-huh. Fear, New Jersey. <laughs> Cape Fear. There we are. Took me a sec. Wow. I like Pain River, man. We should write that movie. Starring the, Cape, the Rock. Cape Fear is based on a novel called The Executioners by John D. MacDonald. Did not know Famous that. crime author. And John D. MacDonald is the author of one of my very favorite series of crime novels, the Travis McGee series. I have heard of those, I think. And yeah, he, uh, so Cape Fear takes place on a houseboat. Travis McGee is a... A, 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 a kind a kind of private eye, kind of adventurer, kind of beach bum who lives on a houseboat in Fort Lauderdale and helps people out if he feels like it. And he's a man with a mysterious past. Yeah. And John D. MacDonald wrote something like 25 of these books between 1964 and like 1986. They all have a color in the title. The one I'm reading right now is called A Deadly Shade of Gold. And boy, are they good. Yeah. And they have made movies out of two of them, um, but no, but it never took. They made, a, they made a, a movie in the 60s with an actor I don't remember. And then they tried to make a, a TV movie for a pilot for a series starring Sam Elliott, who would have been perfect casting for Travis McGee. Oh. But that's been erased. And then speaking of uh, Nelson, uh, speaking of... Um, who directed The Dark Knight? Uh, Nolan. Nolan, right. Speaking of Nolan, uh, Christian Bale was cast as Travis McGee recently in a movie that I think seems to have died. But the Travis McGee books are a lot of fun. You would enjoy them a lot, Chuck. Especially the ones in the the mid to late 70s are the best. They're a real portrait of time. All right. I'm writing that down because I trust yeah. you. All right. I think we have time for a couple more here before you have to get going. Uh, this is from Ben Masters. Top fan says, given Hodgman's personality and likes, here's one he might enjoy. We'll see. Ebon Enigma. Sam Spade is on the case. Stuff dreams are made of. Oh, I enjoy that. That's the Maltese Falcon. Very nice. Eben Enigma. Hmm. Yes, that's the Falcon itself. Eben is an obscure word for black, as in ebony. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, this one doesn't describe a film. It sort of does, but I just think it's kind of great right now. Uh, Christopher Rennie says this, all these protesters should settle down and watch some Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> <laughs> nice job, Christopher. That's a good one. Ah, I like that. I enjoy that a lot. Yeah. Contagion, of course. Absolutely. Number, number one. <laughs> Number one trending movie on iTunes right now. Is it really? It probably is, huh? 
Oh, it's it's been up there for a while, for a while since the beginning. As soon as as soon as we heard that the schools might close, we immediately watched Escape from New York. Oh, great! Uh, what else did we watch? Like back when we thought it was sort of a funny joke that this was happening. I am the Duke. Twi- Twenty eight days later, I am Legend. Oh yeah, all lots of them, lots of sort of apocalyptic, particularly New York, if possible, apocalyptic society collapsing stories but one i would not ever watch again is contagion yeah i feel like all I those saw, uh, other movies were training for you guys yeah i i saw that back back when that was that was just this was all just a an idea yeah great movie you know what i mean and I was, that's really hit, hit me hard that was a hard movie yeah it's very tough uh all right my friend that is all the time that you have so we're gonna wrap here on episode two yeah. It was a lot of fun, man. It was a good hang. Can we talk every week? Can we do this every week or something? <laughs> yeah, we could do this every week. I miss you, Chuck. I miss you too. It's so easy to reach out across uh, the internet. I know. And sadly, Max FunCon this year has been uh, canceled until next year. So I'm not even going to get to see you probably this year, maybe. Yeah. But if but Max FunCon, if it holds up, if, if, if we are able to get to back together by June of next year, 2021, yeah. Max FunCon will be held on my 50th birthday. Oh, really? It's going to be quite a party. Quite a party. Yeah. I'm going to go to bed at, I'm going to stay up all the way to 10, 15. Uh, Oh, that's right. Because I'll be 50 in, fuck, I'll be 52 in March. Not 52, 50 as well. Yeah. We'll have a good time. We'll have a good time. We're old men. All right, man. Talking about movies. It was good seeing you. The stuff stuff podcasts were made of. (laughs) Two old men talking about movies. Uh, Give my love to the family. uh, Yeah, take care and mine to yours. Yeah, you guys be careful and be safe and and, uh, get that machine gun ready if, if New York goes bad. Yeah, you know, I'm a child. I'm a child of Massachusetts. I don't have any guns. <laughs> All right. Thanks, you guys, for listening. And uh, this is a lot of fun. Good seeing you, man. Take care, man. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I got to run. I'm sorry to jump off, but I got to go. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. 
today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.